Tone Deaf is the journey of a theater nerd, bringing musicals into the life of their musically challenged spouse. This show is rated explicit for mature content and strong language. I'm sorry for me. Spoilers are in every episode, so if you haven't seen the show we are reviewing, you can always check back in later with us. We'll be here when you get back. Welcome to Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. And I'm Warren. I'm musically challenged. So, we are to the Land Before Time 12, the great day of the Flyers. It's been an adventure so far. We've got two more movies and the entire TV series to go after this one. Yep, yep. Until <laughs> the Land Before Time 15, we just don't give a shit anymore. Here, put your kids in front of it and make them fucking watch. Land Before Time 15, it's a movie! Yeah, Jesus Christ. So, on paper, I should like this movie more than I do. And I kind of like it, but I also kind of hate it. I, uh, it's, it's complicated... And maybe I'll like it more this rewatch, but when I first saw it, I just was like, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Um, enjoy having numbered titles, though, for these, because this is the last one to have a numbered title. Did, did Were they trying to trick their audience into realizing that it hasn't gone on as long as it has? And they're like, hey, if we take away the numbers, they'll stop going. They'll stop going. They're still doing these? And they'll just go, another one. I, I seriously wonder if they didn't want to acknowledge how many they were up to after this point. Because it's like, it, it's got to be that some exec went, oh, shit. Hmm. <laughs> how many? Shit. Then again, the next one being 13, maybe they felt that it would be bad luck, but I'm like, it's already a bad movie. From what I understand, yes. 13 is horrible. Um, This one's not horrible, this one's just meh. Uh, But fun fact, this one and the 13th movie were both released in 2007. This one was released in February. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Did they take a year off in between other releases? I can't remember. Uh, for a little while they did. Okay, so um, they, they must have been working on, I mean, because it takes time to do these. Yeah. Just the animation alone is the most intensive part, so. Yeah. And know. like like we talked about with um, Land Before Time 4, these were done like a year or two in advance each time. So, yeah, they probably went, oh shit, we better release the next one as well, and... I think part of the reason may have also been because of Universal Animation Studios having issues, because that's what led to the TV show ending. Because the TV show wasn't terrible, as we'll see when we watch it. It's not great. It's not (laughs) Steven Universe. But nothing is Steven Universe. (laughs) So, this uh, was announced at the same time as the TV series, and would be the first one filmed in widescreen and animated in digital HD. Fun fact, character animator Skip Jones from the original film returned to do some of the character animation on this one, though most of the character animation was done overseas by this point. 
Um, this film has Rob Paulson quadrupling roles in this one, so he plays four different characters this time around. Um, and this is also the only one with Nick Price as Littlefoot. Previous ones have had Gabriel Damon in the first one, Scott McAfee in two through four, Brandon LaCroix in five, Thomas Decker in both five as the singing role, and then uh, six through nine, and then Alec Medlock in ten, Aaron Spann in eleven. Do you know one way we could have had less recasting of Littlefoot? If, if, if um, uh, they just killed off the character? I was going to say, let them grow. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I just, I don't understand why that's such a problem in kids' media. Well, it's kind of the exception to have characters age up even a little bit. Yeah. And I kind of, I don't know, I I guess they're trying to maybe make it timeless, or their mentality is that there's always a new crop of of sperm tumors every year, like maybe like to sit down in front of it. I don't know, but at this point, I feel like the smarter move would be to you know every three or four episodes maybe have them movies. change. A, yeah, like, episodes every three or four movies have them change a little bit. You know, yeah, we could see Sarah start getting her her brow horns. You yes, know? it's it really bothers me. And this one actually, speaking of Sarah, is going to make you sit there and go let her grow already come on um just because of another character that gets introduced that's gonna lead to some sarah character growth as well um and this is gonna be a character that reoccurs in the tv series as well um but i i sit here and go did they think that they should just do the Peanuts thing because Peanuts did this where they would have child actors that were just kind of rotated out as with each special and with each TV show. And with Peanuts, it kind of was okay because it was still, it felt more authentic than this does. (laughs) Like the writing did. So, because otherwise I'm sitting here going, just let them grow up like we had with Steven Universe, where they grew up. <laughs> See, and I was, I was going to make the joke and be like, hmm, baby steps, when did you get so mature? Uh, somewhere between my mom dying and me saving the sky from falling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, enough ranting about that part. Um, like I said, we have some new characters introduced with... One of them being related directly to a character introduced into the last episode, which leads to our Sarah character growth. And this is another case of this character being introduced to give Sarah some character growth was done better than the time that they introduced characters for Secret of Soros Rock to give Sarah something to do. Hmm. And I really... I, I, I... like this better and that's one of the things that i feel is a strong suit in this movie um now this will be a petrie focused movie and it'll actually focus more on him and his immediate family without all the touchy uncle stuff yay yeah thank god 
Uh, there is a song in this one, which is Flip, Flap, and Fly, that is, according to the wiki, a parody of Flip, Flop, and Fly from the far superior film Chicken Run. <laughs> they also reference uh, the superior film Jurassic Park 3 in this movie as well. <laughs> so they got to the point where they've hit, they've hit the Warren wall, where they've run out of original thoughts and they're just now <laughs> making pop cultural references. And, like, they don't do it in such a way that it's obvious, but if you, you know, if you know what they're referencing, then it's, oh, okay, kind of like the Free Willy one. I actually think they're less obvious than the Free Willy one from Nine. That one pisses me <laughs> off every time. Um, they're, speaking of Flip, Flap, and Fly, a three-minute version of that song played before the Curious George movies in theaters, allegedly, and it's actually pared down a bit for the final movie, and I'm okay with that. Um, this one has some interesting reviews that I've seen. Uh, a lot of them were kind of like, well, it's harmless. <laughs> it's a movie. <laughs> it won't teach your children about the dangers of race mixing. <laughs> Um, but David, Nancy Davis Coe worried that Petrie's speech pattern in this would lead to kids talking that way, which, fair, uh, but also, I didn't see any of that for any of the other movies, so well, I think it's a little too late. That And that kind of argument, I think, is pretty dumb to be mm -hmm. like, well, this character talks like that, kids are going to talk like that. It's like, uh, there was a period of time where I talked like Jar Jar Binks just because I could do that voice. Mm-hmm. Didn't last. No. <laughs> so. No. And I don't think that anyone looks at Petrie, even in a Petrie-centric movie, and thinks that that is... I, I just... I sit here and I go, he has a vocal tick. He doesn't have a normal yes. cadence. Yeah. Yes, it's an annoying vocal tick, but it's still... It, it's, it, it's not like they're saying this is the proper English. No, you've got plenty of other characters and they even in this one if I remember right, they try to give a little bit of a oh that's right, Littlefoot's our main character no matter what. <laughs> oh no, we almost forgot that we have to focus on Littlefoot every movie. And I can't I can't remember completely if this one does that, but I don't think it's as egregious as in other movies cuz in other movies it really pisses me off. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because they try to do something different, and then they have to, like, rubber band snap back to... To Littlefoot. To and it's Littlefoot. like, no, no, keep the camera away from him. This was interesting. <laughs> but we all know why you're here. Dinosaur facts. Yes. Dinosaur facts! <coughs> I haven't been doing that for a while, and I realize that. You know, I could always just splice in the Derby and March on one of these. <laughs> I've got the sound of it, so. <laughs> forever, forever. So, this week, you're going to be guessing again. I guess often. But I mean, like, this is a guessing dinosaur. <laughs> and it's one it's of... The Whoosaurus. God damn it. This dinosaur is one of the reasons that I should like this movie on paper. This week, we're covering a very important dinosaur discovery. This is a Chinese dinosaur found in Liaoning, China, 
It is a small dromaeosaur growing about two and a half feet long at the largest and weighing just over two pounds, and it's represented by two species in its genus. The movie is going to choose the most famous of the two as evidenced by the character's name. I'm not telling you the name yet, because uh, it's a goddamn pun again. <sighs> anyway, it is one of the most well-represented non-avians in its ecosystem, with at least 300 specimens being found. It had a rocky start to its discovery as the first specimen was made into a forgery by assembling the bones of this dinosaur and two others before it was smuggled out of the country to be sold in the U.S. <laughs> Zhu Jing, who is a badass motherfucking paleontologist, was the one to go, uh, no, this is a forgery. Uh, fun fact, Zhu Jing has named, I want to say that he is the one who has the record for naming the most dinosaurs, or at one point he did, and he will also be the one who named uh, the dinosaur for the next movie that they do dirty. Um, <laughs> do it so dirty. I'm so mad. Anyway, after this, there was some controversy because ornithologist Storzel Olson publishes a paper in 2000 that I tried to locate, but I couldn't, on this dinosaur's tail, because that was all that he had, naming the dinosaur Archaeoraptor. Um, and then at the same time, Zhu Jing, who has the rest of the dinosaur, publishes another paper under a different name that would give this dinosaur away, so I'm not saying it. Because of the lack of material material for Olsen to create a new genus with, because, with, um, again, he just had the tail, and other rules on taxonomy, Jing's name won out. Uh, the first specimen that was described and is not a forgery didn't have a skull, and only had some of the feathers. But in 2002, we get a specimen that Stephen Serkis call, et al. Uh, calls Cryptovalens poly. Uh, this name's not going to stay for this specimen. It's going to go to the name that we all know and love. And that one has some interesting features preserved. Flight feathers. Uh -huh. More on that in a minute. So... Mm. This di small dinosaur has flight feathers and a fused sternum, but the shoulder joint couldn't do the full flapping motion. And so that kind of lets you know this is not a bird, it's not a missing link animal, it is a dinosaur that had a bit of flight. Meaning, flight probably evolved more than once in theropods, and there's some discussion on whether or not these dinosaurs climbed trees, or if they were, like a ground dinosaur that could take off, and um, it's the form called wing-assisted incline running method, and it's what quail do. And that's kind of what they think a lot of theropods did. So as much as I really love the idea of an arboreal crow climbing around in the trees, jumping, gliding down with a little bit of flapping... There's some evidence for it to be a case of they were running along the ground and then flap their wings and take off that way, kind of like quail and chickens do. Um, they this, couldn't just from a stand no, start flying like No, they, they couldn't do that because their, their shoulders didn't have that range of motion that other birds do. Oh, gotcha. Do. They, they could go forward, but they couldn't go as far back. Yeah, they couldn't go as far back, so it's not true flapping, but it is they do think that they're f they could fly it's not um, flapping k it's flailing with style 
Like it, there's also still some stuff where they go, oh, well, no, they're not able to fly. And I, I don't know. I kind of go with the, they, it makes sense to have, they could flap a little bit to control it, even if they couldn't fly well. They didn't have sustained powered flight, but they could get places. Yeah, they could get places. And this dinosaur made Circus think that dromaeosaurs were secondarily flightless, meaning they didn't start as... It's kind of like the way that uh, birds kind of have gone uh, recently, because rheotites, while they're primitive, and that's things like ostriches and stuff, um, there's... Or maybe, maybe they're not a good example. They're not a good example. Penguins, though, may have come from a flighted ancestor, but they are secondarily flightless, same as cockapos, which are secondarily flightless. So they think dromaeosaurs may be secondarily flightless. So they they had an ancestor who could fly, and then all of our faves just either don't or only did it when they were juveniles, because... That's a fun thing with Deinonychus that I actually really like, and it makes them even cooler than just, rawr, I'm a big scary dino, but it's like, I'm a big scary dino. Who can fly? Mm. (laughs) Or who can flap on the ground and get just a little bit of lift, and that's fucking terrifying and cool. And I imagine it would make leaping better because you could get more distance with your leap. Yes, and I I don't know 100% on this, because this is debated, but I personally like the dromaeosaurs are secondarily flightless thing rather than they just never ever they had never ever anywhere. had flight anywhere and because it kind of I don't know it to me it puts birds even more solidly in dinosaur because there are some people who are always like no birds aren't dinosaurs they're not dinosaurs they descended from something else they're not dinosaurs no. No, you're wrong. And it's like, no, birds are dinosaurs. Just accept it. <laughs> it's all in the hips. It's, it's in the hips. All in the hips. It's in the feathers. <laughs> Nothing else has feathers <laughs> except things in the dinosaur line. <laughs> I'm sorry. Birds <laughs> are dinosaurs, y'all. It, it, just accept it. You've heard it here first, y'all. Kay will fight over this. I will fight over this. (laughs) I will put on, like, spurs like a rooster has, and I'll kick. I'll kick you in the face, because I can't peck. (sighs) Actually, throwing hands would probably be better. Anyway, about the flight feathers. The placement has led to some debate as to how the dinosaur carried its legs when gliding or flying. Some viewed it more as a bi as a biplane model so you'd have it flying like i've got my hands one on top of the other like this (laughs) like Um, a biplane like a biplane and others point to some specimens as well as other small dromaeosaurs saying that their legs would have been splayed out behind them since their hips may have been able to do that again that's another debated thing. I personally like biplane. I think it looks cooler, but I can understand where the their legs are splayed out. Also, I feel like biplane makes a little bit more sense because it's kind of like how you'll see birds tuck, tuck their, their legs, legs under. under. 
Um, and that's kind of where I go, but their hip sockets do allow for some movement like that. Um, the feather imprints preserve melanosomes, which makes this one of the dinosaurs that we know the coloration of. They were black and had iridescence, like little crows. This dinosaur, being small, would have preyed on small animals, and in fact, the stomach contents have been found with a species of lizard called Indrosaurus wangii, or wangi, Indrosaurus wangi, being discovered in the dinosaur's stomach. And the dinosaur had died shortly after eating the lizard, which is why it was so well-preserved that they could name a new fucking species. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That fossil was a twofer. It was a twofer fossil, and we've run into a few of those before, um, but that one's really cool. They also, uh, I think that I read that they don't think that they could pass pellets like other predatory birds, so they... It, but they also didn't really find any gastroliths, so, like, they would swallow the animal and just digest everything in and oh. pass whatever they could out. And... Okay, because I was wondering if maybe if they didn't have pellets, if maybe they just puked up chunks of stuff that they couldn't digest. Yeah, they didn't, they, it didn't look like they passed pellets. Um, so their stomach acid was just gnarly yeah, enough to dissolve yeah, bone. Yeah, like Lagermeyers. Yeah. Um, of course... Helena fucking Walker has some ideas on this dinosaur. So, she calls them aggressive towards anything, regardless of size, basically claiming that they have little dog syndrome, and says, While not capable of sustained flight, its wings allow it to stay aloft for several seconds while jumping, which on its own might be plausible, but she also calls them speedy, and basically, like, she kind of describes it's more like they hover, rather than they actually, like, do a chicken fly or anything. Um, but then, it, it, I don't know, like, just the way that she describes him is just dumb. Especially because she says that by hitting a bigger creature, they could stun it. And okay, whatever, Helena Walker. So either we have a small theropod that might have climbed trees and or glided, or may have power walked to fly, or a very deadly theropod chihuahua. <laughs> Take your fucking pick. Guess that dinosaur. Microraptor. Yes, Microraptor Gwee. It was funny because I knew it was Microraptor uh, pretty early. <laughs> well, I, I shouldn't say I knew. But I suspected. Yes. And then about halfway through, I knew. Yay! Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on paper, I should love this movie. Because Microraptor. I mean, but it's different if they bend your dinosaur over and make it an abomination. I mean, first thing, Guido the Microraptor. Guido? Yes. <laughs> His name is Guido. Yes. <laughs> There's one of the reasons I don't like this movie. <laughs> Is a green microraptor. Okay, I need to Google something. That's not how it's spelled. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Does he talk like Mario? That would make it even better. No. It's a me. He, it's it's a it's a Rob Paulson voice, because Rob Paulson voices him, as well as Spike, and Mr. Clubtail, and somebody else, I can't remember who. Doesn't he, he do Petrie, too? Not in this one. This one, it's Jeff Bennett. He's done Petrie once, but most of the time, uh, Jeff Bennett plays Petrie. But I don't 
like how they designed Guido because they really fuck up the cool foot flight feathers. Does he have like rolled up sleeves and slick back hair and No. Does, but... he, does he drive a pussy wagon? <laughs> no. He's no. a terrible womanizer. You gotta talk like this. No, but it just I don't I don't like the way that they animated him and it really bothers me because it's such a cool dinosaur i will say this is the first feathered dinosaur that is explicitly like a non-avian dinosaur that we will get in these and then i know it's not the last (laughs) it's not the last and they really fuck it up next week (laughs) they really fuck it up with the next one. Oh, i hate it so much i hate it so much they did by Piosaurus so dirty they did him so dirty i'm so sad <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> i'm gonna have a lot to say about that one um also i'm really proud of myself for not dragging the uh pterosaur heresies guy this episode but that was just because he hadn't made me angry until after I had written the script. <laughs> and then he started doing his Azarkid shit. And I'm like, oh, you motherfucker. Oh, we can talk about how dumb he is if we, later if we won't. Yeah, we can do that. We can do that. Anyway, are you ready to go watch them do Microraptor a little dirty in this I, one? I am ready to watch the great flyers ascend to the highest echelons of dinosaur supremacy in this it's about but okay (laughs) well the story in my head it is (laughs) i'd love to see your alternate story alongside the real story with this (laughs) (laughs) Ah, anyway let's go and watch us um so so dinosaur film do you know what that means do you know what that means listeners i cannot believe that you called my grandmother that Uh, if she was here right now mm -mm. Mm -mm. jesus i'm so Let's go. Let's go. Hey, Warren. Hey, Kay. Do you know what time it is? Is it time to thank our Patreon sponsors? It is. Woo! We would like to thank our stage crew sponsors, Jeff, Reagan, and Jasmine Wu. And our producer circle sponsors, Jesse, Bianucci, and Taylor Brandt. Thank you all so much for your continued support of our show. We truly appreciate it. Do you want a science podcast? No. What about a comedy science podcast? Oh, yeah. Then join us at Petri Dish. I'm Sean, a PhD and cancer researcher. And I'm Nathan, his trusty sidekick and common man slash biological brother. Together we dive into the latest, hottest topics with irreverent gusto. Cannabinoids, climate change, human sexuality. Listen weekly, everywhere podcasts are available, to Petri Dish. And now, the lights are going down and the music's starting back up, so let's head back to the second act of our show.
So, so I've changed my mind about this one, but I don't know what your mind is on this one. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, a lot of meh. Yeah, a lot of meh. Uh, after after seeing you know stuff as stupid as the invasion of the tiny sauruses mm-hmm. and and other dumb ones, um, this one is relatively harmless. Yeah, it it has some stupid stuff in it, like mm-hmm. so many of the ones before. Um, the Micro Raptor character could have been yep <laughs> infinitely better. Yep, that's actually infinitely uh, better. That's where my mind got changed. Of like, nope, they still did them dirty. Absolutely, even, even in comparison to what they do in the next one, oh. they still did them dirty. I do. Oh, I don't know why. Your reaction was so funny when he first came <laughs> on in the screen. <laughs> And why does he talk like Woody Allen? I which, don't know. Which the I fact, hate it. In fact, it's established that it sounds like he's an adult. Like, he, so, they don't make him out to be like a kid. The wiki puts him as a young micro-raptor. But he's... It felt like an adult hanging yeah, out with children. Yeah, and it did. Not in... Not even even not Petrie's... in like the Mister Thicknose way. No, even <laughs> Petrie's mom had that attitude of like, "What the hell is that thing, and why the hell is it near yeah. my my offspring?" Yeah, like I know that Petrie. What the hell is that? I know that Pe- <laughs> I know that Petrie's voice does an adult or by an adult, but they do enough with his voice to make him sound younger ish like to code him younger even though i'm i can still tell and as a kid could tell that that was an adult voicing a child unlike the other child characters but (laughs) i uh they if they were gonna have guido which i hate that name (laughs) so much (laughs) i'm I hate that name so much. How is there nobody in the room to be like, guys, guys, (laughs) this is we can call him Gui or we can call him Micro or or Mike or or Mike. Literally, even even Gui would have. I feel like Gui would have been okay. Mm -hmm. But Guido, come on. That's not even where the Gui in Micro Raptor Gui comes from. It's not Micro Raptor Guido. Yeah, exactly. What the fuck? <laughs> and as as someone who's part Italian, I'm kind of like, mm? uh huh. Like I know that I know that Guido Sarducci exists, but he's kids... also a, a parody in a in... yeah. And and kids in 2006 wouldn't know who the fuck that was. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. <laughs> it, it it was so it's so wonky, and I don't I. I still don't hate it as much as Tiny Sauruses. I never will hate it as much as Tiny Sauruses. Tiny Sauruses was really dumb. Yeah, but this one... I think that this one is low on my list also out of pure disappointment. <laughs> yeah, because they were the, the guest dinosaur of the year is a really cool dinosaur. Yes. And they just... They shit all over what could have been a really cool dinosaur. Yes, they do. And they do it again in the next one. 
And uh, I don't know what the issue is with that. It's like if you're not going to represent these these uh, really interesting dinosaurs well, don't, don't even them. do them. Just yeah. don't just have another generic sharp tooth bad guy movie. Yeah. Like I I would watch that over the next two entries. Um well this and the next entry. The fourteenth it's been long enough that maybe I'll like it better this time, but I know that the thirteenth is gonna make me irrationally angry. <laughs> and this one reliving the whole Guido stuff. I'm just like, you know what? No, <sighs> I'm. I still don't. I still am mad at this movie. <laughs> yeah, plenty of plenty of dumb parts. But but unf- you know, and to be fair, yeah, it has it, it. Like so many of the other ones before, they'll have good parts. Yeah, they have some good shit in there, yes, and they have they good do. touching moments. Yeah, and then they 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 taint it. With this duck butter of a dinosaur. <laughs> and it's just so incredibly frustrating. Because the stuff with Sarah being a big sister... Yes! ...is so good. I love it. I feel like that that, that, that could have been the movie. Like, yeah. to an extent. Like, I know that they, they, they tend to try to have multiple plots going. Mm-hmm. Which, if your pacing is done right, you know, you yeah. can you can accomplish that. But considering that these movies are, you know, just over an hour kind mm-hmm. of thing, I feel like having one good plot, you know, mm-hmm. is is really what you need to, to have instead of trying to yeah. thread this intricate tapestry of half-baked ideas. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is that you would, I know that it wouldn't be Great Day of the Flyers if it was a Sarah-based movie. Well, then you give it a different title. Yeah, it's not give it Great a different title, doesn't, because the whole Great Day of the Flyers plot line is kind of pointless it's it's like flyer school it's like this is their final test or whatever to prove that they can be flyers which to me i'm like isn't the the case to prove that you can be a flyer that you can fly Fly? like yeah And, (laughs) and part of it too is because we've already had the petrie struggling to fly story in the first movie yeah. And ever since then, he flies. He flies well. We never have him <laughs> having to fly in a flock. And they they make mention of that in this movie, too, when yeah. they're like, you fly fine when you're around us. And it's like, oh, well, Petrie apparently gets stage fright. Yeah. You know? And and the whole, oh, this is a way to show that they're not little ones anymore. Well, then let Petrie fucking grow up after this movie. Like, that's the other thing, is that it's done like it's a rite of passage, but we never have any thing for them to pass into they never change they never change so that whole storyline is completely pointless instead and here i go rewriting the series (laughs) make it a sarah movie this is the second time that making it a sarah movie would have improved it because she's the character that always has the most growth and i and i i mean she she also has the she's also out of out of our starting characters our starting roster she is the most i would say morally bankrupt oh yes oh all because yes. of her shitty father teaching yeah. her to be a shitty but like the the whole racist. thing with her is that she has these character arcs yeah. that make her better each time yeah. which is the hallmark of a main character but she's not our main character ever very little very little <laughs> continuity 
is, yeah. is maintained. I would say Tria remaining in this from mm-hmm. the previous movie is mm-hmm. one of the largest continuity things that has yeah. remained. I mean, because we've never seen Sarah's little Mm-mm. nibblings. Mm-mm. Uh, we've never seen really any of we never see the the tiny sauruses again we never which i'm they fine were for. in they were in a cameo blink if you miss it moment okay i'm glad i missed yeah them. Uh, and they'll show up again in the tv series uh... yeah like the thing with it is the i feel like they because uh, at least they didn't try to focus on littlefoot with this one that's what i was gonna say is like yeah because I, I know we talked about previously that even when they try to shift focus to somebody else, they always snap back to Littlefoot. Like, yeah. oh yeah, he's the main character. We have to focus on him. Yeah. They didn't do that in that one. No, they kind they... of split their attention mostly between Petrie and Sarah. Sarah. And then, of course, Guido. Yeah, which... <laughs> I feel wrong saying that. I feel like I'm going to get in trouble by saying when I say that. I mean, that's the character's name. It's not as bad as if it had been an it another name but it's still something where i'm just like and i'm sitting here next to you going is k gonna is k gonna no is k gonna no. like just to make a point is k gonna no but it just <laughs> i <sighs> yeah i i am so just <sighs> i will say that this one does have one of the better uh overall morals yeah it's kind of the way that it's that it's that it's punctuated by guido in it i felt like was very phoned in mm-hmm. like it, it's almost like the mm-hmm. writers they got th- they got through it and they're like okay well what's the moral okay how do we fit that in yeah. and then <laughs> there was i don't feel like there was any love there wasn't any no <laughs> personal investment you know no this was a fucking paycheck <laughs> Which, understandable, I get that, but, but, and who knows how much creative liberty they even have, you know? Also, I take issue with the person who runs the Land Before Time wiki or edited it saying that Flip Flop and Fly and Flip Flap and Fly are parodies of each other because, no, they're not. (laughs) Other than... Title only. Yeah, title only because the tune, we've listened to them. Flip Flop and Fly, that's Chicken Run. Flip Flap, Flip flap and fly eye that's it, different songs yeah different songs e- even my musically challenged brain when you mm-hmm. when they were when you had mentioned that this is supposed to be a quote yeah. unquote parody or a, a reference to it mm-hmm. when that song kicked in i was like yeah no. and i was listening for it this time through because it's been long enough that i forgot how flip flap and fly went and I'm not about to go out of my way for these movies to watch them more than once. <laughs> and one positive thing that I will say about us having to do all of these is that I know the executives at Universal Animation are absolutely listening to this. The big decision makers are listening in on our advice. And so we know that Land Before Time 15, know what they're going to do? They're going to have them be a little bit older. They're going to start aging up the dinosaurs. Little little foot will have a little bit longer of a neck and a little bit bigger of feet. Sarah's going to have some little little horn nubs. Thag's going to have some little tail nubs. And, and Ducky might be a little bit bigger. And Petrie will be a little bit bigger. And... So I would agree, except Universal was responsible for the Cats movie. We had that was two Tom, Tom episodes. Yeah, but Universal is who... 
is also behind that shit. But they're trying to learn from their mistakes in my head. And so <laughs> this narrative this narrative that I am wishing upon a star for a blue fairy to create is one where we get some good dinosaur children's media that we can review on our show that's musical. You know? Oh god. Like like make I it love a- your optimism. <laughs> 90 minutes long with a fully fleshed out plot. You're, they're going to have people of color to do voices. Then they won't be shitty characters <laughs> and the music will be catchy and it won't sound like your actors are singing to music that is added later. They're singing to a click track. <laughs> exactly. You couldn't see what I just did. <laughs> I just realized. Case, it's okay. This is called a microphone. <laughs> It is used to capture audio. What it doesn't capture is video. I know that you as a film major are used to having microphones on cameras. Or having the two work together in tandem. Oh, God. That that lets you know how this week has been. All right. All right. Shall we get into this? Please, God. (laughs) So that we can move on to the next one and then move on to the next one. Now I can't remember. Are we? Is the series coming between thirteen no. and fourteen, or after fourteen? Oh, uh, it's going to go between thirteen and fourteen because, uh. yeah, because uh, the series introduces two characters that are in four, or one character that's in fourteen. So, wouldn't want to miss any of that golden continuity. I mean, I like the character that they introduce. So, okay. You know. Well, if you like them, then that's important. And it's a cute character. I realized that as I said that, that came off a little sarcastic. <laughs> well, I guess if you like them, then that's important. It's like I like the rainbow faces because they make something interesting. I like, I like the rainbow faces just fine. Um, I thought the whole alien. I, I'm not sure I felt. Anyways, okay. <laughs> we're not we're not going to dive back into the, the movies the of yesterday. Better movie. <laughs> the movies of yesterweeks. Okay. The Land Before Time 12. The Great Day of the Flyers. Mm. Very good. Thank you. The movie starts with Earth. Present day, I think. But then the world (laughs) rolls back the dawn of time and we hear the narrator. (laughs) Kay almost spit their water. Roll back the rock at the dawn of time. did spit my water. (laughs) So... Yes, the movie starts with Earth, present day, I think. But then the world rolls back to the dawn of time, and we hear the narrator talk about how the Earth is billions of years old and was full of violent Earth stuff and cold Earth stuff and animals and stuff. (laughs) And eventually there were dinosaurs. And one of the cool things about Earth now is that it's always changing. There we go. They're trying to say that change is an important inevitability. Then do it, movies. (laughs) Do it, you cowards. Do Uh, it, cowards. (laughs) We see our well-known roster of child heroes. Well, three of them. Baby Steps, Ducky, and Fag standing on a cliff edge looking at the sky. Until Fag spaces out and knocks Ducky off the edge to her death, almost. (laughs) But Baby Steps saves her life. Baby Steps is then like, huh. Where is Sarah? She should be here. But Sarah is busy staring daggers at an egg on a nest, being nuzzled by her stepmom, Tria. 
<laughs> Sarah seems to be displeased with the prospect of a sibling, but her mom and dad are suddenly fixated on the egg's temperature and start piling grass on it. Sarah tells her parents that she's going to meet her friends, but is ignored. Sarah then tells her parents that she's going out to a wild party where she plans to have unprotected sex <laughs> with multiple sharp teeth and maybe rob a bank. Her distracted parents just tell her to have fun. Sarah leaves the nest and meets up with her friends who are watching the sky for Petrie, who is uh, practicing for the Day of the Great Flyers. I will say that with uh, Sarah being upset about a sibling, the uh, I feel like the movie could have been a little bit. Uh, I mean, it would it would add in too many layers for a kids' film. But Sarah did have siblings. Emphasis on the word "did." Uh, and that's the thing is that the original <laughs> movie. And the sequels are an entirely different universe. Yeah, because yeah, it's it's yeah, like you talked about. We see Sarah in in the first movie with siblings. Yeah, who are we're we're left to assume that they died. Yeah, and they don't ever reference it. And I know that death is a. Well, I don't. Then again, fucking babe, Littlefoot's mom dies in the first movie, so I yeah. don't want to say that this series doesn't deal with death and loss. But it's I, like I think kid death is <sighs> the thing that people are always afraid to handle in media. <laughs> kid death, but let's put let's put our child heroes in deadly yeah. situations on a on a yearly basis, and let's make Bridge to Terabithia required reading. Fuck uh, you. Yeah. <laughs> I. It, I'm of the mind that kids can handle any topic if presented mm -hmm. properly. Absolutely. And I'm... <laughs> because of how good the series was, I want to compare every fucking piece of children's media to, to Steven, Steven Universe. Universe. And just how well they tackled more adult Everything. content. Yeah, just anything. And with I feel like there was a missed opportunity here with Sarah having fears about... I mean, because Sarah doesn't like the whole not you know, unattentive parents because they're mm -hmm. focused on the baby. Yeah. And granted, that is something that I'm you know, like... Well, that kids deal with. Shitty parents, you know, not paying attention to their other child. And there wasn't even really mm -hmm. a moment where they were like, oh, we are maybe being a little... Ab but at the yeah. same time, I think there might also be the attitude of, well, Sarah hates it when we... Coddle her. When we coddle her. Sarah mm -hmm. hates it when we, you know, treat her like a little kid, you know. Yeah. But there's none of that dialogue that happens. Which I will be glad... I will be... Uh... I will give the movie this. They don't have Sarah, like, doing any regressing or any sort of trying to, like, divert the attention to her completely like the, ah, pay attention to me sort of bullshit. And they also, when the egg hatches, they don't have her, like, try to sabotage the kid they don't try they don't do any of that she yeah. just more has she doesn't try to hurt the sibling in any way or yeah. neglect the sibling yeah it if anything she goes into her role of being a sister yeah just right into it there, yeah there's no like no i don't want to watch the dumb mm -hmm. baby it's like okay i'll mm -hmm. watch the baby and then it turns into i am protective of this yeah. because that's what they've kind of built up the ceratopsians to be like in this is but very but i guess but what i meant to say before i got a little rambly was that you know there were missed opportunities here mm -hmm. to talk to kids in a safe setting about 
new siblings coming into the family mm-hmm. and even you know because we have this dynamic where you have sarah and her biological father and then a new mother yes and it's like well is she gonna love her biological kid yes. more than me because yes. i'm not her biological kid that could and, have been the movie yeah and as as somebody who you know who uh has divorced parents you know who one is remarried kind of thing and i have a step parent like i mm-hmm. th- that you know, I, I get that kind of that kind of concern, mm-hmm. and and it it would have been a good topic to do a kids movie on. Mm-hmm. You know, where you can do it with dinosaurs and colors and adventure, yes. but still have a, a an important topic that kids can take away from the movie mm-hmm. and into their lives. Mm-hmm. And but no, this one is... they don't. They just <laughs> it it's it's so infuriating when they miss these opportunities to teach actual good lessons that don't get taught. I really, I really do wonder who holding the reins either didn't care or was afraid Mm -hmm. or was, was had their hands tied with how much freedom they had. Because hearing about just other TV shows and, like, what they have to deal with with the network, like, what the network doesn't mm-hmm. want them to do when they want to do something. And other children's movie franchises, which this would fall under more so than TV. Oh, I, yeah, I guess that, that that's fair, too. But, okay. For now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah, the kids are staring at the sky looking for Petrie. Petrie is flying in formation with other little pecker faces, but Petrie gets distracted, trying to show off for his friends, and he slams into the other little peckers and causes the formation to break apart and plummet to their death. <laughs> Almost. They land, and Pe- they land, and Petrie thinks that Mr. Clubtail is going to eat him, but Clubtail just stomps off, grumbling about kids these days. And so with that one, what makes me laugh is you see in the distance just all these specks of the kids falling, you know? Yeah. And they land. They don't, like, recover and glide to safety uh-uh. or flap to safety. They they land. And splatty splat. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I mean, young birds will hurt themselves flying sometimes. <laughs> Mid-air bird collisions can be a little... They they can dust themselves off in some cases, but yeah, that that tracks a little bit. I've I've seen birds that mess up. It's like it's like the equivalent of air tripping, like mm-hmm. tripping while you walk while you're flying. I still always think about the bird that got drunk at my mom's house. <laughs> <laughs> got taken a mile away by the wind. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, I gotta get home. I gotta get home. Okay, go. <laughs> this little wind just... <laughs> I don't know where I live now. Okay. Petrie gets chewed out by his siblings for being such a fuck-up. And his mom even comes down to be like, Not again, Petrie, you useless fuck. <laughs> that evening, Baby Steps asks G-Paw Big Steps what the deal is with the Great Day of the Flyers. G-Paw explains that it's a rite of passage, and it's how flyers prove that they're ready to fly with the adults. Okay, seems fair for this universe, I guess. Mm-hmm. Back at the flyer nest, Petrie's siblings are just ruthlessly talking about how hopeless he is and how he always fucks up their flight formations. Petrie's mom comes over to be like, Now, kids, don't pick on your brother. Let me have a turn. And dismisses the others... <laughs> 
so that she can tell Petrie how much he sucks. Sorta. She's like, you can fly well when you want to. Why are you ruining it now? Huh? <gasps> Why, Petrie? Are you like your shitty uncle? Remember him, Petrie? <laughs> that shitty uncle of yours who was banished? Remember? I sure wish I didn't. <laughs> Anyways, Mama Flyer asks Petrie if he'll be ready for the great day of the Flyers, and Petrie is just like, mm, I'll do my best, and sulks off to sleep at the opposite end of the nest. That same night, but at, but at Threehorn Estate, Topsy is snoring, and Trio wakes his ass up, saying that he almost rolled over onto the egg, and she tells him to scoot his ass. More. 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 A little more. And Topsy falls off a l the little ledge and exits the scene. During this time, Sarah tries to tell her parents goodnight, but because they're just so engrossed with the egg, they totally ignore her. Mm-hmm. The next morning, we see a CGI field as CGI grass flashes by the scene, and it focuses on our heroes who are walking and talking about how Petrie is a good flyer, no matter what everyone else in the entire valley has to say, <laughs> and they try to give him some encouragement. Petrie, Petrie's issue seems to be performance-related. He flies good by himself, but he flies all shitty when he's with others. <laughs> his friends offer to watch him practice in this windy day, and Petrie takes off at his friend's behest, but quickly gets tossed into the CGI grass by the wind. As his friends go to investigate the crash site... I just love the CGI grass because it's so conspicuous. <laughs> yeah, very obvious. It's like when they, the other ones where they have CGI trees that are rolling and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But uh, so they go to investigate the crash site. They hear Petrie scream in terror as the entire freaking valley gathers to investigate the scream and the rustling of the bushes. We get the reveal of this movie's unique dinosaur, Guido, who isn't sure where he is or how he got there. He said he just woke up. So, very shitty grasp of evolution here. See, and I misunderstood what he meant right there because Guido, I, I, it gets revealed later how Guido probably arrived in yeah. the valley. I thought that he was just like, I don't know, I just woke up and I was here. Like, as yeah. if he just, poof, came into existence. Yeah. And that's kind of how they try to make it sound. Which is a little bit what it sounds like. And it's yeah. like, dude, you came out of a cloaca somewhere. <laughs> you were part of a nest. You had a parent. Like, yeah. And Microraptor probably would have had parents raising them. Yeah. Like movie. Well, I mean, like, you, get, you do get spontaneous mutations, you know, mm -hmm. in evolution, but there would be nothing that would go from, like... A, a, look at any of the dinosaurs look at any to of the him. dinosaurs to a Microraptor. Like, there'd be a, a progression yeah, of, of mutations, yeah. you know? And it just... So for him to just be like, don't know where I was, I'm just here now. Yeah, their, their treatment of dromaeosaurs in this series, they either do... What they do with, like, the raptors that we've seen with incorrect fingers and... Snaggle teeth. Snaggle and teeth. And, faces. And shrink-wrapped bodies. Yeah. Or... Shrink-wrapping bothers me the least, honestly. Yeah, shrink-wrapping is because whatever. Because that's kind that's... of been how dinosaurs have been portrayed for so long. That bothers yeah. me less than, like, the wrong number of fingers. Yeah, no, that, like that that is a bigger <laughs> sin. But, like, they, they go from that to... 
this because it's not even like feathers it's the way that they do his feathering is like inconsistent shaggy that isn't he kind of looks like shaggy fur it doesn't quite look like feathers you know when he spreads out his wings he he does but Uh but and and that it just it it bothers me in that respect because that's not what microraptor looked like at all he doesn't even have a beak he doesn't no. even have a dinosaur face he has like this rounded blunted parrot he has a face. parrot face a bit a, he has a bad parrot face. and and like and they don't even distinguish like in his face like where they would be a beak or a, like like he, he or just, on his hands they don't looks, distinguish he looks that so goddamn wrong he does and the legs one of the biggest things that everyone sees with microraptor wing they, legs yeah the wing legs they don't do he just it looks like he has extra shaggy he, pants. Yeah, he he looks like he's wearing pants. He doesn't look like he has those ridiculous like wing legs that makes Microraptor so cool. Come on, movie. <laughs> I I will even forgive the fact that they made him green because we didn't know at the time because the melanosome or melanosomes hadn't been. Was he green or was he like a bluish? Uh, he was like a, I guess he's like, a greenish green, teal, there we go, whatever. Yeah. But still, like. It, that's still not black like Microraptor was. <laughs> yeah. Black or iridescent of some form. This is just... But that doesn't even bother me as much as everything else about him. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so, very shitty grasp of Microraptor here in this movie. Mm-hmm. Also, Guido is apparently the only one of his kind that he's ever seen. Again... Not how evolution works. Mm. Sarah hears one of a kind and is like, Boy, that would be nice. Because she's going through some sibling replacement syndrome right now. (laughs) Petrie flies around uh, singing about how great it would be to be the only flyer without other flyers making fun of him. Guido then reminds them that being one of a kind is lonely. Because when you're the only one, you're a freak of nature. And the kids continue (laughs) singing badly. The bad one-of-a-kind song ends, and the baby gang then immediately starts scrutinizing his freakishness, saying that he's got all these qualities like uh, other dinosaurs, a pecker face like Petrie, spiky things like Sarah, and other characteristics. (laughs) The gang decides that they need to take Guido around the valley and see if he belongs to any group. They take him first to the long necks and have him try to eat leaves, and Guido does, but then he hacks up the veggies. Then they take him to... So, what so, Petrie should so, have been doing the so, whole time. Interesting thing there. Uh, he has the uh, uh, herbivore language. There's no language barrier yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he is not an herbivore. Yeah, and we see later he... Well, I guess the only thing we see... We don't see him eat meat per se. We see him eat a worm. Yeah. Which... I, I don't, I don't want to consider worms meat because... They are. Because... <laughs> Because to me, meat is, you know... They're the other meat. Is is baka bok and moo cow. And, and glub glub. And glub And oink oink. And bah. But not... But and, not... Hey. Wormy worm. And human. <laughs> Long pig. But... Uh, it, it, yeah. It, it does kind of throw a wrench into their whole... 
the herbivores have one language, the carnivores have another. But that just is because they don't... They, they have a little bit of a carnivores have to be this way, herbivores have to be this way, and when we get a small carnivore in this, that won't be a threat to the main characters suddenly... Well, he can talk because he was raised for a day yeah. by Littlefoot. <laughs> well, and so he, he learned their language in a day. He talks to, uh, like, with with Guido, he immediately talks to him. Just like, hey, guys, I'm a Woody Allen clone. I should have I should have tried to rehearse a Woody Allen impression, but I'm, then I would have had okay to kill myself. Yeah, and then I would have had I'm, to kill myself. I'm okay that you didn't. Before cause... you stabbed me in my sleep going, now I'll never not hear you that way. <laughs> I can't be married to you anymore, and I want that sweet, sweet insurance money. I love you. I love you. Okay, yeah. So, uh, they take Guido around to talk to the other dinosaur groups to see which one he belongs to. First, he goes to the uh, uh, Longnecks, but can't eat all the veggies. Then they take him to Mr. Clubtail, who smacks Guido with his bopper. Which, I love that. I like that. Just, they're giving him their drill like, you have a bopper? You have a bopper? What's a bopper? <laughs> and then smacks him with his tail. That's a bopper. That's a great moment of Rob Paulson talking to himself, too, there. That's <laughs> true. Then they go to Topsy, who tells them to fuck off. I love that. That was... <laughs> he has no time for their shit. That was such a good little rule of threes, though, where it's like, okay, this one, okay, here he gets hurt, okay, over to Gram- over to Daddy Threehorn, fuck Dismiss- off. Yeah, just dismissive. Just <laughs> tells him to go away. Don't even think about it. Then they go to... Uh, then Ducky tries to see if Guido is a swimmer, like her. Yep, yep. But Guido is scared of the water and decides he's not a swimmer. Nope, nope. The gang tries to pause for trying... Eh, the gang takes a pause for trying to figure out what the fuck Guido is <laughs> and watch Petrie and his kin fly around. Petrie is doing pretty good until they have to fly into the clouds. Clouds fuck up Petrie's mojo. <laughs> and the tricky, menacing cloud causes all the flyers to fail and to fall to their deaths again. <laughs> The scene cuts to Petrie pouting on a cliff and Guido coming up to him to be like, Hey, Petrie, your flying was pretty good. I sure wish I was a flyer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fucking hell. (laughs) And Petrie decides to have Guido try flying with him. Uh, Wait, Petrie decides to have Guido try flying with him. But not yet, because Baby Steps rushes in to say that Tria's egg is ha- So, okay, so maybe I fucked up on my note there. When he, when Guido goes to comfort him, or was or was Guido just saying he could watch him fly? Because Guido doesn't know that Guido, Guido can fly Guido does not yet. know that he can fly yet. And I, if I remember right, because it's been a day, uh, <laughs> and this movie, I do not like it to stick in my head You're very like, you long. don't want to have more brain cells devoted to it than are absolutely necessary. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so I'm pretty sure that Petrie does have kind of like a, hey, maybe you should try flying with me, but it gets interrupted because otherwise that would have been the end of this plot line as it would have been, oh, you're a flyer. Cool. Oh, yeah. These things under your <laughs> arms or wings. Except, um, I did pull up an image of Guido and actually he should not be able to fly because look at those arms. Oh, uh, look at that ugly yeah. fucker. 
Jesus yeah, those Christ. arms and the chest muscles that connect to it, none of that should be able to... He can't fly with that. You know... That's that's uh, a gross mischaracterization uh, of bird anatomy <laughs> and he, of dinosaur anatomy. He really is a disgusting-looking booger of an animated the, creature. It really upsets me because he could have been so cool. Because I remember being so excited. I don't that know. There would be Micro Raptor. How many designs do you think they went through before they settled? That's the one. That's our Guido. Like, <laughs> how? Well, the, the, uh, did someone's four year old draw it? Here, Bobby, <laughs> use this one in your movie. It's like, the uh, thing is, is looking at it, I think someone said, okay, Micro Raptor. That's like a bird, right? We don't know Except what kind of. No, it doesn't, of, even, look no, like it doesn't even look like a bird, but. You know, it would look better if it had, like, more of a bird face, mm-hmm. then I would be like, okay, they mm-hmm. they made a slight effort, but with that, like, he, he looks like someone cut off his beak, and yeah. he just has, like, the fleshy nub where the beak would connect to his fucking <laughs> face. That's so sad. I know, but that's what he is. He's sad. He's a sad, pitiful excuse for a micro-raptor, and he's ruined this movie with his shittiness. They even miss the connective tissue that goes between the shoulder and the wrist. They, you know, there's a lot of stuff there's that There's a I, lot that's wrong. There's a lot with, with dinosaur art and representations in these movies that I can be more forgiving of because I don't mm-hmm. have your vast stores of knowledge, but... Faces, I feel like, matter the most mm-hmm. because that's where you're looking when they're talking. Yeah. And his face is just so fucked. The thing that bothers me the most with his design, and I'm sorry to interrupt to say this, but when you mentioned the whole, oh, maybe you're a flyer, it's like, okay, I have to get this out. This person, the person who was responsible for designing Guido has never looked at a bird wing. <laughs> And that also means that that explains a lot of other winged animals that tend to be drawn incorrectly in this series. They they draw them like people, like they they draw the bodies like human bodies, and then they just kind of add the feathers where it would go on a human if a human had wings. Yeah, and they don't they don't take into account like you can do stylized stuff with characters. But when you have other dinosaurs that look more, quote unquote, realistic, Mm -hmm. and then you break that rule for another dinosaur, then it ruins it. Yeah, I agree. Guido should have had his whole arm covered in the flight feathers. Well, because then he would, you wouldn't see the scrawny arms that they drew. If they would have drawn him more like a bird, kind of thing, mm-hmm. with the same, like, the kind of tucked arms like you do with bird wings. Yeah. Kind of thing. And he could, he still could have, like, turned his wrist and had his hands yeah. been expressive as he's talking, like I'm doing now that our listeners can't see. Mm-hmm. But you could have... This is a microphone. <laughs> you could have had him do that, but he still could have walked around like a bird with his, you mm-hmm. know, arms tucked like a bird's wings. Mm-hmm. And... And the pecker face. He has no pecker face. He Give does not have Guido a pecker face. His pecker. He needs a pecker. He needs a pecker. Give on his face. Guido his pecker. Peckers for Guido. Peckers. <laughs> <laughs> it's been one. <laughs> so yes, uh, Petrie decides to have Guido try flying with him, but not yet, because Baby Steps rushes in to say that Tria's egg is hatching, and they all rush off to watch the miracle of life in action. 
The egg hatches, and it's a girl! We can tell because she's pink. Mm -hmm. Pink with no name. The blurry-eyed <laughs> baby focuses on Sarah and gives her a big smile before falling over. Because her little legs are new. Topsy, among, uh, Topsy almost tramples Sarah getting closer to his new baby. And Sarah <laughs> is like, don't mind me, and stomps off. Petrie comments on how cute the hatchling is, and Sarah almost murders him right there, but lets him keep his life. <laughs> Which but it's, it makes me laugh, because I don't know if I've paid attention to Sarah particularly picking on Petrie in past movies, because in the last one she, she did, yeah. and in this one she does, but I don't, my memory is not going back far enough to be like, is Petrie just her Punching I think Petrie's like, her punching bag because, like, Littlefoot was her punching bag in the first movie, but then she grew to be like, he's my friend, and I will. I, I've only known Littlefoot for this amount of time, and if anything were to happen to him, I'll kill everyone in the room and then myself, but I'm not going to tell him that. <laughs> well, remember, uh, Littlefoot also saved the world. <laughs> <laughs> By pushing the sun back up into the sky. <laughs> <My> fucking hell. <laughs> if anyone jumps in on this episode, and this is the first one, they're going to be like, that's a joke. Littlefoot couldn't know. <laughs> they're not going to know it's serious. Oh. <laughs> These movies are so fucking stupid. <laughs> okay. Things change to that evening when Petrie takes Guido home with him. Giggity. Uh, <laughs> Petrie introduces Guido to his family, who all circle in on Guido and judge his appearance and smell. They then move in on Petrie to destroy what crumble, what crumbs remain of his self-esteem. But Guido steps in to insult the kids and calls them a bunch of ass faces, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> which gets a laugh from the children. Mama Flyer then tells everyone to go to bed. And as they're getting ready to sleep, Guido tells Petrie that he'll help him prepare for the great day of the Flyers. Even though he fucks up at everything he does, Petrie is like, okay, great, good night. Like, what I love about that scene, though, is that after Guido insults the kids, Petrie's mom laughs, just like, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> so Delivered perfectly by Tress McNeil. Uh -huh. Like, in, in uh, that scene when... Petrie, you know, comes home back to the nest and Guido climbs up the rock face, you know, to mm -hmm. get to the nest and and Petrie's like, he's gonna stay with us and Mama Flyer's like, for tonight, like, she has <laughs> yeah. the, the acting was actually pretty good because the subtext was, that thing is not staying here one day longer than is absolutely required yes. and even though, like, after talking, like moving her kids away from the creepy stranger <laughs> Just totally fine with her black sheep of a child <laughs> hanging out with this weird smelly outsider. But I do love uh, the, the how he does call his siblings ass faces. And yes. what's funny is the kids laugh and the mom laughs. Like, yeah, mm. they are little ass faces. <laughs> like, I can't decide what Petrie's status is with his family. Is he the black sheep or is he the favorite? Because the way that Tress or that uh Mama uh Pterosaur Mama Flyer, I guess is what they call her. That's what I call her. Um I, I guess the way that she acts towards him reminds me of the mother vulture in those uh Looney Tunes shorts. With the oh. Oh, oh, oh. 
Oh gosh. Oh gosh. Oh. Cecil. Yeah. Cecil the uh, vulture. Because his mom is very much like, he doesn't know how to hunt, but he's also my baby. But he's also a loser. But I love <laughs> but him. But I love my loser baby. Yeah. So it's like, it's like that's the whole trope, which makes sense because of the way that they have kind of drawn the pterosaurs in this. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but all pterosaurs have that collar like a vulture. I don't know if I have noticed, but that's yes, okay. Yes, they all have that same collar, which I'm like, are those pycnofibers, or is this that we don't know how to draw? Kay's the... using words again. Sorry. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> there, are some, there are some choices that the longer we go on these in this stretch, I'm going... The character design was a choice on a lot of these. You know, and it, it is one thing because it goes all the way back to the first movie mm. with their character design, so they kind of kept that theme yeah. going, even though science marches forward. Yeah. And it is interesting, the little changes that they try to make towards more accurate stuff here and there mm -hmm. over the progression of the movies, and then we get something like Guido, where they were just <laughs> yeah. like, fuck, fuck it. it. <laughs> send it, just send it out. Like... <laughs> These dumb kids don't know what a microraptor is anyway. Like, Which is ridiculous because children are the first people to correct you on dinosaurs. So. <laughs> CK, growing up. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh yeah, God. What I was thinking about that is, uh, but yeah, when when uh, uh, everybody is getting ready to go to sleep in the nest and Petrie's getting in, in his corner and Guido comes over and he's like, I'll help you. Like, I'll do this for you. And, yeah. and I'll, I'll help you prepare. I just love how Petrie is so... Like, Petrie goes from being very excited bringing his friend home yeah. to being like, okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Good night. Just very much like, dude, don't talk to me. I'm napping. Yeah. But, okay. So the next day, Sarah is watching Tria play with the new baby, who has the name now, who has a name now, Trisha. Mm -hmm. Tria asks Sarah to watch Trisha for a bit while she goes off to do three-horn stuff? I don't know. It's not like she's going shopping. <laughs> That's kind of the equivalent. <laughs> it is. It very much is the equivalent. Anyways, <laughs> they just needed that moment. Yeah, they needed the moment to have Sarah bond with Trisha, which she does. Yeah. Sarah and Trisha get some sibling time together, and Sarah tries to be unimpressed with Trisha's basic mastery of her new of, of, of her newborn body, but even Sarah thinks Trisha is cute, and it and uh, that is until Trisha wanders off and Sarah chases after her. Sarah scoops Trisha up and takes her back to the nest but gets poked in the eye by, is it Trisha's foot? Like she's Trisha. She's like kicking her feet. Yeah, I think it's her foot. Sarah scoops her up with her front face, so Trisha's resting on her nose with the horn, like keeping her anchored in place so she doesn't slide. Yeah. And Trisha's flailing about and she kicks Sarah yeah, in the eye. Yeah, I think it was that she kicks her and not that her little nub hits her. I can't remember. Actually, Something it might have been the nub. It might have been the nub. I think it was the nub, actually. Yeah, the little nubby about. horn, and which should have been a much harder thing for sarah to come back from mm. <laughs> remember eye tissue is the fastest healing tissue in the body True, well, i mean that's for humans but... i don't know about other things other <laughs> i animals. think it is but uh but yes so uh sarah gets poked in the eye and drops the baby tria comes back from whatever the fuck she was doing and is all <laughs> what happened 
and Sarah explains that Trisha made a break for it, but Sarah caught her and was bringing her back, but got poked in the eye and dropped the baby. Tria and Topsy make a big deal about how advanced Trisha is. For what, running. What with her running already. Topsy makes the remark that Trisha is the best hatchling there ever was. And Sarah is like, gee, thanks. Yep. And stomps off. We see Trisha getting sad at her sister leaving. Which I love that. I, I like love that, that Trisha is just immediately like, Everything that my sibling does is cool. So, I love that. (laughs) I I don't know how old, I don't know what the age equivalency Sarah's character is supposed to represent, but you know, uh, my my sister, I'm 10 years older than my sister, so with this movie, I kind of relate to an extent, except Mm -hmm. I didn't have any, any, like, sibling fear replacement. Mm -hmm. I was excited that I was going to have a sister kind of thing. But yeah, growing up, my sister, you know, at certain points in, in her life, would absolutely want to do whatever I was doing, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Like, she would play with my monster toys, you know, instead yeah. of, like, Barbies and stuff like that. And so I, I really liked that aspect. And there mm-hmm. was a period of time where, like, if I left the house, my sister would cry because she oh, was like, oh, yeah, like, because I left. And it was just, mm-hmm. like, heartwarming. And like, oh, they love me, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you come back and they're all happy. Yeah, and I think that that is sort of the dynamic is that it's supposed to be that big of a separation of sibling ages because Sarah strikes me as 10, 11-ish the way that her attitude is. Not the rest of the kids, just Sarah, (laughs) which Sarah's one of the younger ones in chronology of who was hatching, so she shouldn't be the oldest, but she acts like the oldest, so um, yeah, I would think it's about that same age dynamic and it just is really heartwarming because it's adorable it is adorable. and it's one of my favorite parts of this movie yes. is watching sarah interact with her sister and it should have been the whole movie and they're short scenes which yes. is unfortunate because then we get more guido <laughs> yeah no the whole movie should have been sarah and her sister warren's and... takeaway from this movie fuck guido <laughs> <laughs> and like i think if I remember right, there are more moments like this in the TV series with Sarah and Trisha, because Trisha comes back in future movies. And, and... the nibblings died off screen, so they needed a new baby dinosaur. <laughs> I don't know what happened to the nibblings. But... Yeah, no, they died of exposure to those volcanic vents that they were telling ghost stories around. <laughs> they died of, wait, how are they Sarah's, <laughs> are they Sarah's nibblings? Poof, poof. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Oh, we cut back to the baby gang who is eating food when a pissed off Sarah comes into the picture and squishes Ducky under a bush. The baby gang prods Sarah on her bitchier than usual attitude and Sarah is like, what? What do I have to be upset about? My parents just think the baby is the greatest and they're ignoring me. And Baby Steps is like, at least you have parents. Yeah. And then Sarah <laughs> launches into a song about how things changing sucks. Mm-hmm. All while her friends try to be like, hey, you can teach the baby stuff. Maybe change is good. And Sarah's attitude brightens a bit and the song ends. And I will say she did a good job singing. Yeah. Because she always, it, like she, she and Ducky's voice actresses, there's reasons that they're good voice actresses. Um, and that song was pretty good. 
compared Over, to the rest yeah. of the songs in the movie. Overall, There's... because that's the thing too, is like like so many times you get these songs where it really does feel like there's no music and the person is singing mm-hmm. and then they're like, we'll just put the music in later. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't it doesn't line up. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't coalesce well. It yeah. just it feels weird. Yeah. And then you get times where other people are just kinda singing like this, even if it's not their character. And, yeah. Yeah. And then there's times that the music is just atrocious. But anyways, this particular bit of singing was rel- was was good mm-hmm. by comparison. Yeah. And, and lyrics were okay. Lyrics and were okay. It, it's 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 a Land Before Time movie. I'm not gonna go out and get the soundtrack. I'm not gonna Fuck look for no. it on a streaming service. I'm no. not gonna put it on a playlist. Nah. <laughs> yeah. So the scene cuts to that night. I guess, Mm. and Guido trying to give Petrie a pep talk about how he's going to fly and do great, and all the flyer children take off and fly and do pretty well, and Petrie doesn't fuck up, at least that we see. (laughs) We get a brief moment of Sarah going back to her family, and she smiles seeing her sister. It cuts immediately back to Petrie and his family sitting in a tree, eating leaves, and Petrie throws... (laughs) Yeah. If people are keeping track, Petrie is not a leaf eater. His species would be eating bugs and fish, carcasses and small fish. animals. They're predators. Ducky. They're, they're <laughs> me- exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Petrie's mom should be feeding the siblings some of Ducky's siblings. <laughs> <laughs> I had 13. <laughs> oh, me no no. No no no. Do you want to try some of what mom cooked? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes. So his Petrie and his family are in a tree eating leaves, and Petrie throws a leaf down to Guido, who instead eats the worm that's crawling on the leaf. And the mm-hmm. others, meaning Petrie and his sibling, are like, "Ew!" Which these non-herbivorous fucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the scene cuts yeah. to Sarah again. <laughs> And as she's watching her sister and smiles, and then the scene cuts back to the flyers again. Like, this this part, it just is like, it's like 10 seconds on one, 10 seconds on the like yeah. other. It's, it's just back and forth, back and yeah. forth. So if, if anybody's listening, they're Pick like, Warren sure is going one. back and forth a lot. That's because they were going mm-hmm. back and forth a lot. So yeah, the scene cuts back to Sarah again as she's watching her sister and smiles. And then the scene cuts back to the flyers again doing flying. Mm-hmm. And then back to the three horns as Tria wakes up and sees Trisha missing. And she freaks out briefly until she sees that Trisha and Sarah are snuggling. Mm -hmm. And then she chills out and goes back to sleep. Which I love that. That was so cute! Which I love that because, you know, like, in a parent brain, like, you waken up and you go to, like, just kind of glance over and check at the baby. And the baby's not Mm -hmm. where they should be. And you're like, oh no, oh no. And then you look over and the baby is snuggling with the other kid. And you're like... Oh, like, not only are you relieved, but you're touched. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh. Yeah. And yeah. I, I liked that. I like that. Ver- Anything that deals with, like, older sibling and younger sibling mm-hmm. always hits me. Just yeah. being a brother. That yeah. stuff always hits me. And I'm like, oh. You know, they could have. Okay. Kay's about to rewrite this. Movie focuses more on Sarah and Trisha. But because they're trying to introduce new Dino, we do still have Guido, but he's well designed. And it's more <laughs> of they're trying to get him back home. 
And so Sarah is, and they're, they've got it all planned out when they're going to take him back. You know, oh, well, we know that the sharp teeth aren't in this area at this time. And so Sarah at first is like, oh, well, fuck it. I'm going to go off with my friends. And then it's like, oh, well, I've actually grown to really love being around my siblings. So I've got to go, but you stay here. And Trisha has her whole, oh, I'm going to toddle after you that she does later. And then that can be the whole conflict is, oh, gosh, we've got to get Trisha home now. But... You know what it even makes me think of is is the second Rugrats... No, 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 sorry. The first Rugrats yes. movie where Tommy initially doesn't give a shit about his brother mm-hmm. and then they bond over their, their yeah. shared experience. Yeah. Like, that was a that, good movie. Yeah. And it was a plot that makes sense and has real-world basis mm-hmm. because of the dynamics between yeah. siblings and how varied they can be. And rather than have that good plot, they're like, this is a subplot. The real yeah. star of the show is Guido. Yeah, no... You're going places, kid. Going places, you hear? You're going to the West Valley, where they where they put your face up on the cliff walls. That's a face for a cliff walls, I tell ya. It's a face for something. Um, <laughs> for extinction. Yeah. God. Like, I just... They should have focused the whole movie on Sarah and Trisha. The movie should have been Sarah and Trisha's the A plot, whatever else is the B plot. Because... The Trisha and Sarah story is more interesting. Mm-hmm. The Petrie story is just <laughs> every time the oh, uh, and the Petrie one too. I'm like that plot is it's not as good as the Mm-mm. Trisha one. Uh, but every time Guido is on screen, I'm just like that animation abomination. <laughs> just get him out of my eyeballs. I His don't want to see. Should have been scrambled. Oh, freaking Guido. Okay. <laughs> so... So After the touching slumber scene with the Ceratops sisters, the scene cuts back to the Flyers and Petrie coming in for a landing, and he sticks the landing. His siblings rally around him and give him uh, and give him backhanded compliments. God, <laughs> yeah, you didn't fuck up this time. Yeah, uh, the family is rushed off and sees Guido hanging back and sulking. And then they rush to him, embrace him, and tell him to hurry up because he's part of the family. So, you know, as far as Guido and his character, like, it is, since since we have to have Guido, mm-hmm. it is nice to see that the family is acknowledging that Guido is trying to help. Yeah. And that they're welcoming of him into their family since Guido yeah. is one of a kind and doesn't have anybody. Mm-hmm. So that is touching. Yes. That's all I will say on it, because fucking hate Guido. Yep. <laughs> that night, under the cover of darkness, Guido apparently uh, sleepwalks and steps on Petrie <laughs> as he does, then just fucking falls out of the nest. Petrie gives chase and follows Guido on his midnight walk. And the whole conceit with this is that, like, suddenly Guido will be further along than they thought he was going to be and stuff like that. Like, yeah, it baby steps is woken up by the passing Petrie, who is still following Guido. Petrie is like, the great day of the flyers is tomorrow. I need to get my flyer sleep. So don't fuck things up. Guido continues sleepwalking and sleep and steps all over Thag's back and Ducky's face. 
The gang keeps following Guido, and Ducky explains that her mom sleep swims sometimes, and that she, <laughs> and that she beats her if she wakes her up. So they shouldn't <laughs> wake up Guido. Just keep following him. You know, I wasn't expecting them to do a cabinet of Dr. Caligari, but here we are. <laughs> uh, I don't get that reference, but that's okay. We've watched it once, but oh, well. we'll watch it again sometime. <laughs> Ducky rushes off the to somnambulist. Get... <laughs> Ducky rushes off to get Sarah because they don't want her to be left out of any adventures <laughs> on account of Sarah and her temper. However, Sarah is not amused and <laughs> bitches about them waking her up just to follow Guido while he's sleepwalking. The gang sees Guido heading for the river, and they decide to get into the water and use their heads as a bridge for Guido to cross the river. The gang then comes to some lava and decide to use their bodies as a bridge to redirect him away from the hot death. Damn. I'm just sitting here like, hey, this is a perfect solution. Knock that asshole into the lava. Go, <laughs> go back home. home. <laughs> You're no one's going to miss him. <laughs> Remember, he's one of a kind. No one's going to come looking for a body. No police report will be filed. Anyway, the gang continues following Guido, who now is heading for a chasm. The gang decides to roll a downward, a downed log down the hill and lodge it in the chasm so it can be a bridge. Again, the entire gang almost dies during the log rolling, but at least Guido can get across now. Fuck. <sighs> Anyways, the baby gang almost dies as the log bridge comes loose and falls into the chasm. The gang, tired but alive, rest for a bit, but quickly scramble to their feet to try and save Guido, who again is heading for the chasm. But this time, Guido falls to his death. Yay! But not really. Aww. <laughs> Because <laughs> Guido sleep flies his way out of the chasm, much to the amazement of the baby gang. Guido's sleep flight, Guido's sleep flight takes him out of the Great Valley and into the desolate, mysterious beyond. <laughs> he has to go protect the towers. <laughs> have I told that story on the podcast? No, you have not. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of sleep, well, as I say, speaking of sleep flying, but sleepwalking uh Kay and i were up at mama Kay's house um um house sitting for her one time when she was out of town for something and all of a sudden Kay, i wake up and i'm on the couch and Kay's <laughs> like warren what are you doing out here and i just blurt out i have to protect the towers <laughs> and then as i say that my brain catches up to me it goes what the fuck did you just say and i'm like Kay. Why am I out here on the couch? I don't know, Warren. Let's go back to bed. Yeah, you've sleptwalked a couple of times, but that is the best story. The other one that I remember vividly was, for whatever reason, I came out of our room and went lay on the couch, and, like, one of your jackets was out here, and I'm laying on the couch, and I'm cold, and I'm, like, shivering, and I reach over and I grab your jacket, and I'm trying to use it as a blanket to shield yep. me, and then I all of a sudden come to him like, why the fuck am I on the couch? <laughs> and I just go back into the bedroom. I'm like, what the fuck? Uh, sleepwalking is weird. Yep. So, yes. Uh, Guido's sleep flighting takes him out of the Great Valley and into the mysterious beyond. The baby gang gives chase even after they're like, but Petrie, it's almost daytime and it's the day of the Great Flyers. If you go into the mysterious beyond, you might not make it back in time. And Petrie is like, 
Me no care. Guido is friend. <laughs> and they go after Guido. Speaking of Guido, we see him gliding into the mysterious beyond and landing on a sleeping Sharptooth. I mean, mm -hmm. Guido doesn't know that yet, but we do, because predictably, <laughs> or I should say predictability. That and, huh, that's animated different than yeah, the rest of the huh, background. The terrain that he landed on sure does appear to be in a different animation style than the stagnant <laughs> background. I wonder what this can indicate. I'm, o I'm, I'm Look okay out. with that trope. <laughs> Look out! He's in an animation cell! <laughs> so, yes. Anyways, Guido snaps out of his sleep flight and calls out to Petrie and the others, thinking that this is some sort of sick prank. But the sharp tooth Guido is, uh, is on isn't in the mood for pranks and wakes up and starts trying to eat him. The sharp tooth of the day is Spinosaur mm -hmm. that is missing some digits and mm -hmm. has a tiny fin. So mm -hmm. par for the course with these movies because fuck any amount of effort to design accuracy. Why hell? I mean, by that point, we already we knew enough to know that that's not just. It also made me laugh that they're like Spinosaurus has this fin because then this long snout that was used for catching fish. I know put him in the desert yeah <laughs> like, near yeah. no bodies of water yeah like, spinosaurus would have been a much better predator for like the the was it ninth or eighth movie with the dolphin thing <sighs> the anyway ninth. Yeah, yeah that would have been a better predator to have a spinosaurus and it would have made fucking sense because mm -hmm. they were mm -hmm. around the water oh but they needed to have uh lipluridon magical lipluridon Anyways, the Sharptooth chomps at Guido, but Guido is able to escape using one of his fe Oh yeah, it chomps Guido, as in hum, it gets him in his mouth. But Guido is able to escape the mouth using one of his feathers to tickle the inside of the Spino's mouth and make it laugh. Guido, all spit-covered and shit, leaps out of the <laughs> mouth and is rescued by Petrie, who flies around a bit, evading the Spino, and asks Guido why he can't fly himself. But Guido doesn't know he can fly, so yeah. The rest of the gang watches as the flyers lead the Spino into some rocks where he gets trapped, giving the baby gang enough time to regroup and flee. Back at the flyer nest, Mama Flyer wakes up, wakes up her children, telling them that it's the big day. And as, the, and as they wake up, they're like, Hey, where's Petrie, the pitiful and useless? Back at the baby gang, they're marching and all, Well, we'll get you back in time, Petrie. And Guido is like, I still don't know how I got way out here into the mysterious beyond. <laughs> and the baby gang is like, you can fly, you dense shit. <laughs> and Guido is like, how strange do you think I am? And they all contemplate murdering him for a minute. <laughs> and I really wish they would. Yeah. <laughs> like, Guido is so annoying because it's like, how did this happen? You flew out here. What? No, I didn't. How did this happen? You flew out, out here. here. Hold out your arms. See these weird spiky things protruding? They somehow help you fly. Mm -hmm. But how did I, Guido, the non-flighting animal, get out here? <laughs> Look at my lips, you <laughs> poorly drawn fuck. <laughs> you flew. <laughs> so... I just, I just had a realization. They've seen birds. What? Have they? Icky. 
Oh, you're right. You, oh my, why, what? <laughs> why did they not drive Guido to be more like Icky? Like, and he was animated so much better. He looked so much better. There have been Archaeopteryx and background things. That oh means the kids have seen Archaeopteryx. They have seen Ichthyornis. They have seen things like they him. Have thing, yeah, oh they God. have seen things like Guido. So even even more of an example of how continuity doesn't matter in these things because they yes. they oh my god it just it just hit me like a ton of bricks that this could have been a fucking series that could have been a great <laughs> reference like oh he looked like because that was a uh, 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 where they go to get the the night flower yes that they encounter that guy like they they could have even made a reference like that oh he kind of looks like that that. That sharp tooth that tried to eat it. Like, you're not a sharp tooth, are you? He's like, I don't know. Am I? Like, yeah. I, oh they, my, yeah. But that makes me even more fucking furious mm-hmm. about the way that they drew this mm-hmm. piece of shit. Yep. Oh, my God. Yep. Yep. Oh, fuck you, movie. <laughs> yep. God damn it, Kate. <laughs> I am so angry now. I'm so mad. I was way more mad now than I was when we started. I'm angry on the inside because I don't uh. want to blow out the mic uh, okay <laughs> i fucking hate it <laughs> okay where am i back at the baby gang they're march okay no no yeah with that you dense shit you we, you <laughs> flew here you stupid motherfucker listening to what we're telling you listen to our goddamn words you waste of space you poorly drawn animated atrocity they should have known right away you could fly this they should have they should have they absolutely should have this okay. shouldn't have been the story no <laughs> God damn it. Petrie. <laughs> Let's go back to Petrie. You know what? Petrie is not my least favorite character in this film. It's, yeah, it's yeah, Guido. It's Guido. <laughs> okay. Petrie is fretting about not getting back in time to show off how he can fly like everyone else. And Guido gives the good old moral of, don't try to be like everyone else. Just be you. And Petrie is like, yeah, be like Petrie. And Petrie sees the flyer judges heading out, and Baby Steps tells Petrie to go, go on without us, and we'll make it back in time to cheer you on. Petrie does make it back in time, and his siblings are like, you almost fucked this day up, Petrie. Just like, just fly like us. Don't be your shitty, shitty self. Conform to the rest of us. (laughs) And Petrie is like, Petrie is gonna fly like Petrie. And the others are like, Fuck! He was given an inspirational speech by someone. (laughs) And the flyer siblings take off to showcase their flying skills. We see the others in the baby gang as they continue the journey home, and we see Trisha, who wandered off at some point, where my eyes were away from the TV and on my notes. So she's there, doing stuff, alone, but not in danger. In fact, she's chasing a dragonfly. You get that dragonfly, Trisha, you cute pink trike. Back at the sky, or back in the sky, Petrie is doing well, and he starts to get really confident and breaks formation to do some aerial tricks. At first, his siblings are like, Stop it, Petrie, you're gonna fuck this up. And Petrie doesn't. And when his siblings start copying all of Petrie's aerial maneuvers, and we get the flip, flap, and fly song, which has like a kind of 50s beach theme to its music, I want to yeah. say. And it's an okay song, I guess. It's, you know, I, I wouldn't want to watch three minutes of it. No, it, I feel like 
they put the most effort into this song because it has the mm-hmm. most high energy and the most animation while it's yeah. going on. So it's like, this is our 11 o'clock number, everyone. Yeah. Like, pull out all the stops. <laughs> Flip. Uh, I almost went into the, the... Flip, flap, flip. Flap and fly. Yeah, I almost went into the chicken run one because that mm-hmm. one's better. <laughs> it is better because I'm pretty sure that it's a it's it's probably from a actual artist before Chicken Run. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> the flip flap and fly song ends, and we cut to Trisha chasing the dragonfly right into a river, and she screams as and eh, she screams as she's carried away by the ri- by the raging river. The adult three horns scramble to follow the screaming, and Guido sees Trisha and is like, Oh, if only there was something I could do to help. And we get the echo of voices from both us, the audience, and the baby gang from earlier, telling Guido that he can fly. And Guido is like, I guess I'll try. And he jumps off a tree and almost and is almost dashed upon the jagged rocks, but is able to open his wings just in time, and he flies away to save Trisha. But not really. <laughs> yeah. He, he swoops down and grabs Trisha out of the river, but forgets that he needs his wings to fly. So he uses his wing arms to grab her, mm-hmm. but now his wing arms are occupied, and so he can no longer fly. I mean, that's because they drew his feet in a way that they can't wonky, grip. Yeah. And then he falls into the river and is swept away. <laughs> Pete, and now we have two people in distress. <laughs> so, Listeners. Uh, <laughs> if... You are unable to help somebody. Try to get someone else to help. Don't don't try to go and rescue a person that's drowning because they will try to pull you under as well. Have somebody who is trained to do it. Are you a lifeguard? No, you're not a fucking lifeguard. Therefore, don't go out there because now the lifeguard's going to have to rescue two motherfuckers. <laughs> so Petrie grabs Trisha and Guido as they're falling off the waterfall. And before Petrie can become yet another deadweight casualty, his siblings come in and pile up, forming one full-sized pterosaur. (laughs) And so he got like a string of pterosaurs on one side of Petrie and a string on the other. So it makes like this giant V shape of small pterosaurs. Perhaps multiple pterosaurs carried them together. (laughs) Then they'd have to run a line through them. You fool, a pterosaur can't carry a microraptor and a baby triceratops. What about 20 pterosaurs working together? (laughs) Just tie them together with a bit of string. Uh, So yes, and together they're able to fly to safety. Sorta. They drop Trisha, who falls, but Sarah catches her at the very last moment. The rest of the baby flyers land on the ground like tired paper airplanes. Sarah's parents thank Guido for saving Trisha, even though he didn't really do anything but become yet another burden needing mm-hmm. rescue. Baby Steps asks the flyers if they're disqualified and will have to do the great day of the flyers again. They all just kind of shrug and are like, eh, we saved a baby and a freaky creep. So we're kinda, we kind of had fun. And Mama Flyer comes down after letting out a horrifying shriek. She comes in to tell the kids that she's very proud of them and that because of them, the day of the Flyers will never be the same. Yay for breaking tradition! Whoopty fucking do. The narrator comes in to be like, 
Change happened on this day of change, and things happened at the place of things. And stuff happened in the Great Valley. The end. It has one of the most abrupt endings ever. What I love is as they're panning away, you're seeing the dinosaur crowd, but they're all like the rendered T-posed models that we saw from the last movie. Yeah. It was so bad. So, so the- one one good thing, though, happened at some point in these movies. We had Trisha's first, in this movie, we had Trisha's first word. Sawa! That's right. And it was so cute. It and was it, really cute. It, and her parents, were, her parents were like, oh, like, yeah, like, excited oh, she loves Sarah. One thing that I forgot to mention is during the Great Day of the Flyer stuff, uh, when Petrie is breaking formation to like do barrel rolls and aerial maneuvers and stuff. And it, oh, I guess it's actually because that is what leads into the flip, flap, and fly. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, or is it flip, flop, and fly? What are flip, they? flap, and flip, fly. Flip, Whatever the flap song is. Yes, <laughs> but it leads into that. And as everybody's singing and, like, doing these aerial tricks, the judges and, like, Join the, in. And the, older, the older adults who are watching start doing that, too. So they start having fun flying. It's not just flying to show that you can fly it's yeah. flying for fun and yeah. that's when the mom comes in and is like you've changed this day forever yeah. which it's like wait so did they pass or does it not matter because they learned that flying can be fun and not just for transportation anyway the narrator is here to say that things changed on this day of change yes. that's a line listeners yes. change happened on this day of change <laughs> yes it is First draft. These first draft motherfuckers. Yep. <laughs> Everything is a first draft. Yep. Oh, uh, uh. okay. That movie had a really lame guest dinosaur who is based on a really cool dinosaur. Who is the next <sighs> lame guest dinosaur that's based on a cool dinosaur? Uh, I'm so... not familiar with that type of dinosaur. Uh. Is that the noise they make? Or is that the sound that they make when your love for them dies because you see how they're bastardized in children's media? So our next one covers a dinosaur in the Therizinosaurid line. And uh, I'll I'll say the name of it because it's not going to be a guessing. It's going to be Bipiosaurus. And audience, I want you to look up our... uh, I want you to look up our Bipiosaurus. And in fact, I will... Spell for you by Piosaurus so that you can look this up. It is B-E-I-P-I-A-O-S-A-U-R-S by Piosaurus. I want you to look up by Piosaurus and you'll see that it's a cool looking Therizinosaur. It's got some feathers. It's a little shaggy. I looked up the bipiosaurus, yes, yes. Mrs. Teacher Person. Now I want everyone to look up our next movie, which is The Land Before Time 13, The Wisdom of Friends. Warren will do that here. Oh, I spelled wisdom wrong because I'm very <laughs> tired and I don't... Yeah. Oh, God. That's right. Oh, God. Why? Why? Why do these... No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we are going to be covering the next feathered, in quotes, dinosaur that they put in one of these movies, Bipiosaurus. We'll be covering that in The Land Before Time 13, The Wisdom of Friends, 
as the DVD box cover says, all kids will enjoy this adventure. Fuck you. <laughs> That's some bold claims there. You know, I do kind of wish that we had access to, like, multiverse technology because I would pay money to watch young you watching some of these movies <gasps> because I could see, like, you... Because you, as a kid, devouring dinosaur books and, like... And not, like, mm -hmm. not like storybooks, like, encyclopedia... Like, research paper-level mm -hmm. stuff. Kay would be reading stuff like that. I To watch you not enjoy it <laughs> just to like look at the movie cover and just give it the finger <laughs> <laughs> i mean by by the time that this came out it, so if, if you dropped that in 90s k's hands because uh by Piosaurus and other dinosaurs like that you know you weren't seeing them feathered yet so you know it's like oh okay these are kind of dumb looking pot-bellied theropods but then when you realize that oh they had these wicked cool claws and oh they're fucking feathered all over and i i probably wouldn't have had quite the fuck you now if it was 90s k getting the information from 2021 k or 20 or 2006 k or 2004 k then yes it would be 90s k flipping off the <laughs> dvd cover like that's not what they look like <sighs> Then again, I can imagine you, like, with the times that we've had, like, sharp teeth with weird hands. and so I still think about, I still think about the one that had the hand that was transitioning. It had, like, two claws, then three, then back yeah. to two in, like, the same frame Those, with did, those did bother me as a kid. <laughs> oh. Those did bother me. <laughs> well, I think it's about time we wrap this up. Oh, thank God. I need to go try and purge the memory of Guido from my skull. Me too. Thank you all so much for listening and sticking with us this episode. If you would like to reach out to Kay and myself, you can do so at our home base, which is ToneDeafMusical.com. There we have links to all of our social medias, our, our Instagrams, our Facebooks, our Twitters. I almost forgot what social media was. <laughs> all is Guido. <laughs> If you want to uh, join the discussion and talk about how much you also hate Guido and how Microraptor was done dirty in a very bad way, we have our own Not Safe for Work channel on the Cast Junkie Discord server. Link on our website, and uh, you can come in, uh, and uh, share your hatred for Guido, the shittiest guest star dinosaur so far. So far. I, I feel like the bar is so incredibly low right now, as long as the next two motherfuckers don't trip over it, <laughs> they're going to be an ass hair above Guido. Oh, God. <sighs> if you want to uh, Guido above and beyond <laughs> and help out this show, you can go to uh, iTunes, Podchaser, Stitcher, <laughs> And leave a five-star review and say how much you wish that Microraptor hadn't been done dirty. Yeah. yeah leave your review for our show and say, fuck Guido, love Tone Death. <laughs> say Microraptor deserved better. Oh. Uh, if you want to go above and beyond that, 
you, uh, you can go to our Patreon, which is Tone Deaf Musical. Uh, there we have different tiers that you can donate at. Uh, you can listen to our bonus episodes that are free of Guido the Micro Raptor. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you want a tangible way to show your love, but no Guido the Micro Raptor, you can do that by going to our T Public, where we do not have any Guido the Micro Raptor shirts. Now I'm just sitting here like, do you think we could get away with a fuck Guido shirt? No. <laughs> no, we couldn't. How about a fuck Guido sticker? We'll have them in a pack, and there'll be little ones so that you can just fucking put them everywhere. And it'll be like, it'll be like a better version of who's John Galt. It'll be like, what is this fuck Guido? Who's putting these fuck Guido stickers all See, over this I, kindergarten? I fucking hate that that's the name. I hate that that's the name so uh-huh. goddamn much. Mm-hmm. <sighs> the the it, it, my my Italian ancestry <laughs> on my mom's side is just screaming. <laughs> I'm just like, how did no sense? How did nobody? How did nobody go? Uh, guys, guys, uh, did you know that that's a slur for Italian people? <laughs> like it's it's not the worst one no it's, it's, but it's not it's not the equivalent it's but <laughs> we don't it's please not great. It's, <laughs> it's not in term of endearment no it ain't <laughs> it's i think it's because they decided okay we've decided italians are white now but anyway uh-huh. uh you can you can support us in different ways uh you can agree with us that that was a shitty name for the micro raptor too. <laughs> I know that you like your puns land before time, but no. <laughs> I just call him Gui. Or Mike. Or Mike. Anything. Uh, anything else. Anyway. Tiny. They could have called him Tiny. Cause he's he's micro. Hmm. Tiny. Dinosaur train hadn't come out yet. Anyway, or you could, or you know who's someone who's also shitty. Just call him Mike Rowe. <laughs> I'm gonna give myself a hand for that joke, because I yeah, I'm funny. Ah, uh, don't put that on my micro raptors. <laughs> anyway, that'll be it for this week. Thank you all for listening. I'm Kay. I'm Warren. This has been Tone Deaf. Tone Deaf.